All right, awesome. We're doing a sermon series right now called The Wonder of Christmas. And I don't know if you've noticed this or not, but um, there's a few negative side effects to getting old. Um, maybe a lot of negative side effects. But one of the negative side effects to getting old is that we tend to have this, this deal where we lose our sense of childlike wonder. And uh, Darlene Check, she's one of the most influential worship songwriters of the past 25 years, she explains how this happens, and she says it like this. She says, human nature has a way of turning wonderful into ordinary over time just by getting used to the environment. We start to stop noticing the things we used to be in awe about, and somehow the beautiful becomes the boring. And we've all seen how this works. Uh, Probably one of the, the best examples is snow. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but odds are we probably have some haters in the room this morning when it comes to snow, or people that just have a strong dislike of snow, right? But if we were to go back in history to a time when you were six or seven years old, just go back there with me for a second. You there? You there? Okay. I'd be willing to bet that the relationship that you had with snow was quite a bit different. Most likely, you loved the snow. Beautiful little white flakes falling down from the sky that could be shaped into anything that your imagination could dream up, that could turn a regular old hill into like a speeding racetrack for your sled. You probably loved snow. It was magical and beautiful. But then as you got older, at some point, it became ordinary and boring and and maybe just this big inconvenience to your super important life, right? Um, but then, and then there's Christmas. It's pretty tough to find a child that, that, that doesn't see the wonder of Christmas in colorful lights and Christmas trees and beautifully wrapped gifts and songs about this, this man in red somewhere up in the North Pole. And, 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 and there's just the wonder is everywhere. But then after 30, 40, 50 years, you look at different adults and it's, it's it's pretty easy to find an adult that doesn't see the wonder in Christmas anymore. After time, uh, uh, year after year after year of being broke in January, of, of having to endure uh, family conflict at Christmas, having to listen to just about every version under the sun of Deck the Halls with, with boughs of holly, it kind of loses the luster. And angels, wise men, stars, all these things that were just full of so much wonder just become ordinary. They become boring. And as we we looked at last week, this loss of wonder is actually not a good thing. Um, Keeping childlike wonder alive is so important. And the reason why it's important is because wonder is so closely connected with things like worship and, and humility and faith, all areas of life that are critical to seeing and entering the kingdom of heaven. Uh, a heart that has the capacity to experience wonder is a heart that has capacity to, to see and experience God. And when childlike wonder disappears, you probably have noticed this in life, but what, when childlike wonder disappears, the stuff that usually comes in and takes its place is not good. What comes in a lot of times is things like negativity, cynicism, uh, fear, pride, all things linked to a, a hard heart come in and, and, and move in and take over. And this is tragic. It's tragic. It's not just supposed to be part of life. It's actually, it's, it's tragic, especially 
when it comes to the beauty and the wonder of our God. And we allow God and we allow his story to just become ordinary, to become just another part of life, and we stop noticing the wonder of it all. And one of the awesome things about the Christmas season, if you'll make the time and the space for it to happen, is that the, the story of Christmas really has the power to reawaken wonder in us again, if we'll let it. And so I'm praying that, that throughout this month as we just really dive into God's word and we look at the wonders of Christmas all over again and hopefully you'll see some things in a new light, I'm praying that God will just awaken our hearts to be full of the wonder and awe at just the beauty and the awesomeness of our God. And this morning we're going to actually hang out in one of the most important texts um, probably in the entire Bible. And we're going to be reading from John chapter 1. And I would encourage you this morning, if you have a Bible or if you have an app on your phone that has a Bible, pull that out and follow along. Don't take my word for granted this morning. Follow along in your Bible with me. Um, but we're going to be reading in John chapter 1, starting at verse 1, we're gonna, we're gonna, where it says this. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. These two verses that we just read are about Jesus. He's being referred to here as the Word. Um, these verses could just as easily say, in the beginning was Jesus, and Jesus was with God, and Jesus was God. Jesus was with God in the beginning. But God wants us to see something about himself, and so he calls Jesus the Word. And we'll come back to the reason behind this in just a bit. Scripture goes on to say this, through him all things were made, without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. This passage is kind of setting us up for something here. God is, is, is it's kind of like, it's going to build like a crescendo, and God is going to, at the, the, the peak, he's going to drop on us one of the greatest wonders in all of history. The text goes on to say, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all might believe. He himself, this guy John, was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. He's talking about Jesus. Yet to all who, who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. And then to sum up, in as clear a, of language as possible, all the wonderful, incredible news that we just read, the Bible says very plainly, the Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. No one has ever seen God, verse 18, no one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son who is Himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. And I would just love this morning to pause 
in the middle of whatever crazy you have going on in your life and let this good news sink in. You might have a Christmas to-do list this morning that is a mile long. Even as you're sitting here this morning, you're thinking about how you got to buy for, for, for grandpa and uncle and aunt and brother and sister and on and on the list goes. And now you're thinking, oh, I need to make cookies now. And you're thinking about all the lights that have to be put up and this and that and that. You might have that going on. You might be going through the most difficult time in your life this morning. Maybe you're here and, and you're just stressed and angry and upset at all the political and the racial and the ideological division in this country and around the world. You might be overwhelmed with all the craziness of life with young kids. I don't know where you're at this morning, but don't miss this. God Almighty, the one who said, let there be light, and there was light, the one who holds the stars and the galaxies in place, the one who marks off the heavens, the Bible says, with his hand, and, who, and to whom the nations are like a drop in the bucket, the one whose holiness burns like an all-consuming fire, the one to whom every knee in heaven and on earth is one day going to bow, this God has come to earth. And what makes this, this truth even more wonderful, as if that's not wonderful enough, is that he hasn't come as some conquering king or some great leader or some wealthy, intelligent, charismatic personality. He comes to earth, clothed in the flesh of, of, of one of the weakest individuals of our society, a little tiny baby, complete with wiggly toes, crying his only means of communication, depending on his teenage mom for sustenance. This is nothing short of the wonder of the angel. God Almighty shrunk down to a little baby. It's incredible. And do you want to know why this is so wondrous? Or, or wondrous? It's, it's for starters because it means that, that God is no longer hidden. God is no longer hidden. As Scripture, just, we just read this, it says, we have seen Him. God is no longer hidden. There was a movie that was made uh, 20 years ago, uh, 20 years ago called Contact. Anybody here ever see that movie, Contact, Jodie Foster? It's like a, it's a total classic now. I mean, it's like way back there, 20 years. But the movie, it's about this lady who, who was obsessed with discovering whether or not there was extraterrestrial life. And so uh, this lady, uh, this character, um, she, her, her, she had a dad who just instilled in her this curiosity and this, this intrigue about the possibility of how there just might be life somewhere out there in outer space and the galaxies and somewhere out there. And, 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 and the reasoning was that Earth, being so small in the midst of this big galaxy, couldn't possibly be the only place where there, there was, was life. When this lady grew up, she became an astrophysicist studying the universe, but all the while she had this all-consuming passion to discover whether or not there was life out there in space. She spent long hours listening to her computers and her speakers, hoping that one day she would discover the signal that would come beeping in, but all she ever received was static. That's all she ever got. But all that changes one night as she's, she's laying on the hood of her car in a huge field. Have you ever seen the, the movie? You, you, you remember what this was like. She's out there in the field, laying on the hood of her car. It's starting to get dark out. She's surrounded by 
by, by just a, a ton of these massive satellite dishes. And all of a sudden, as she's laying there, her headphones start to pulsate with a rhythmic sound that's just completely out of this world. She sits up. She adjusts her headphones. She mutters a couple expletives that we won't repeat this morning. And she, she realizes that contact has been made. She hops in her car. She bombs back to the science center where this small ragtag group of science, our scientists is gathered. Their science uh, center there becomes this beehive of activity. Everybody's yelling. And the world, the entire world, turns its focus and attention on this small group of ragtag scientists as they try to decipher what, what the, uh, this message is that's coming from outer space. Questions are everywhere. Who are these beings? What are they like? What are they planning to do? And, and I love how this guy, his name is Greg Ogden. He wrote this book called Discipleship Essentials. He draws this comparison between this, this movie scene and the verses that we just read in John chapter 1. He says this. He says, in the first few verses of his gospel, John declares that contact has been made. His subject is not a life form of higher intelligence that inhabits another planet, but the one who brought this universe into being in the first place. The living God has come to planet Earth. God is no longer some, some thundering voice from some billowing clouds on Mount Sinai. God is no longer some mysterious cloud or, or some mysterious fire. God is no longer some mystery that is hidden deep within the most holy of holies in the Jewish temple. John 1 declares the light has come into the world. The word became flesh. He's lived among us. The passage goes on to remind us that, that, that prior to Jesus, no one had ever seen God. He was kind of like some extraterrestrial being out there in outer space. But thanks to Christmas morning, all that has changed. And then in verse 18, John the writer, with, with all the wonder of a wide-eyed kid on a Christmas morning, he says this, but the one and only Son, who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. And you're sitting there this morning going, Rich, how in the world, what does this matter today? How is this important today? Well, it's important for, for many reasons, but it, uh, one of the reasons it's most important is because a couple of the biggest questions in all of history have been answered. Question number one, who is God, has been answered. Question number two, what is God like, has been answered. We no longer have to question God and what his character is like because Jesus, God in the flesh, has made him known. I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but part of being human is that we have this tendency to, 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 to shape our entire picture of what somebody is like based on these little tiny sound bites. We, we have these, these uh, moments where we'll hear somebody say something or they'll do something, and it's just a brief moment in a person's life, and we'll use that to create this, this kind of story of who that person is, and often when we do this, we get it wrong. For example, you might be walking through the grocery store with someone that you just met. Maybe you just meet somebody this morning, and this afternoon you walk past them in the grocery store. And as you walk past them, they, they seem to look at you, but they don't say hi. And bam, this story in your head is formed. Oh, they're rude. They're uncaring. They're self-absorbed. 
they're even maybe a little hypocritical because this morning when I saw them in church, they were like super friendly. And, and, and so we form this story, and it's probably wrong, or at least a big chunk of it is missing. I mean, maybe they're just, they're just buzzing through there because they're just, all they can think about is, is getting their stuff because they got to get to the Seahawks game now. And so they just don't see anything around them. Social media is, is the worst for, for doing this. We see snapshots of a family, and they're just always laughing, and they're always baking cookies together, and they're just always having a great time, and we form a story in our heads, oh, they must never have any problems. How do they always stay so, so, so happy? We form this story based off of this brief, brief moment in their lives, and, and we, do this, we do this all the time, and we misjudge people's intentions, we misjudge people's heart. We misjudge their character because we form the story around this brief moment. And people have been doing this with God for centuries. They've been doing this with God for centuries. Maybe they, they read a part of the Bible where God acts in a way that doesn't make sense. And, and they pull one or two stories out of the, the whole narrative of history. And they, they make a story up in their head about who God is. Oh, God must be like this, or, or he must be like that. If God would allow poor old Job in the Bible to suffer so much pain and so much suffering, then God must be unkind, or God must be cruel. Or if God wants me to worship him, if he asks me to bring him all my worship, then God must be an egomaniac. He must have, he must have some pride issues or something. Or maybe you, you look around at all the pain and the suffering that's, that's happening in the world around you today, or maybe in your own life, and, and you look at what you, 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 you perceive to be the absence of God in each case, and you write a story in your head. Oh, God is distant. God's unloving. God's unkind. God lacks compassion. God's weak. God's powerless. He can't do anything. And you've written a story about how you perceive God to be, where you misjudge and misunderstand his character. Listen, this should no longer be the case. And, and the reason is because when God was born in that stable in Bethlehem 2,000 years ago, he came to set the record straight once and for all. He came to clear up any misunderstandings that people might have about his character. You, you can no longer say God is not loving. You can't say that when he's so loving that he would suffer a horrible, brutal death so that you might have life. You can't say that he's unkind because if he was unkind, he wouldn't have had children flocking to him. Kids don't typically flock to somebody who is mean-spirited. You can't say he's unkind when he's, he's healing thousands of people. You can't say that he lacks compassion when he's, when he's feeding thousands of people because he cares so much for, for them. You can't say he lacks compassion when he's out there, he's touching the leper, the untouchables of society that nobody else would touch because he has such compassion and he cares for them so much. You can't say that he's power hungry. You can't say that he's an egomaniac when he comes and he's born as one of the weakest, frail individuals of society, a little baby. And then he allows himself, as he grows up, to be totally uh, humiliated and shamed on the way to the cross. 
There's a reason why Jesus is referred to the word in John 1. It's because words have to do with contact. Words have to do with communication. They expose. They bring to light what's hidden in here. The Bible says that out of the, the mouth, or yeah, out of the mouth, the heart speaks. And, and, or out of the heart, the Bible says, the mouth speaks. Words illuminate. They, they reveal. And Jesus came to communicate and reveal to us what God is like. If you have any questions about the character of God, you no longer need to look out there searching. You don't need to look any further than the person of Jesus. Because Jesus reveals what God is like. He is no longer hidden. Two of the biggest questions in all of history have been answered. Who is God? What is he like? There's really only one other big question. And it's a question that can only be answered by you. And that question is, how will you respond? How you respond to him. Will, will you either reject him as a fraud or he made up story? Or are you going to fall, fall at his feet and worship him as, as Lord God Almighty? The choice is up to you. But, but God is no longer this giant, invisible mystery man hidden out there in space. Through Jesus, he has been revealed. And this is an incredible truth that should awaken wonder and worship in us. But... Something else that it should do in us, as, uh, especially in our isolated, um, closed-in North American way of living, is that this should challenge us. Because, you know, it's amazing when you look around, even when you look, I look at my own life, it's amazing how we will go to great lengths in order to keep our lives hidden. We will shutter ourselves in, we'll shut the blinds. Uh, rarely invite others into our homes. We'll keep the, the conversation at a surface level as much as possible. We don't open up too much. We keep the walls of our heart kind of at a, a nice, safe height. But this way of living, you got to understand, is way different than God's way of living. The Christmas story, it actually tells about how God really wanted to be revealed. He really wanted us to know him if he's going to go to such great lengths. To be known. And if we're going to be like our God, it means we, we stop keeping our lives so hidden from others. It means we let the walls down. It means we allow others in. It means that we engage in community and we be real and we be authentic. We let people see the good, the bad, and the ugly. It, 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 it's, it's opening up our lives. Our God has chosen to reveal himself and to be like him means we, we want to do the same. We want to be people that don't live hidden lives. We want to be known. Another reason that God becoming a human is so full of wonder is because this means that God knows what it's like to be one of us. And this is, I mean, this is incredible. God knows what it's like to be one of us. We've all probably had that, that moment in life where you're going through something that's really, really challenging, and, and it's kind of aggravating when someone who you know has no idea what you're going through comes up to you and says, hey, I understand exactly what you're going through. It's going to be okay. And, and in that moment, because we're kind and considerate, we're like, oh, thank you very much. But inside, we're really upset, right? Because we just want to say, no, you don't know what I'm going through. And, 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 and don't pretend like you do kind of thing. But when somebody does know what you're going through, and you know that they've been there, you know that they've experienced something that you've experienced, and they walk alongside of you and are there for you, and they listen to you, and they pray for you, it kind of has the exact opposite effect, right? Like it can be super encouraging. 
One of the, the well-read scripture verses at Christmas time is found in Matthew one twenty three, where it says, The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And that's an incredible truth that God is with us, but what makes it even more wonderful is that not only is God with us, but God becoming human means that God is also now one of us. Let that sink in for a second. Yes, he's still fully God. We cannot miss that. When you miss that, you get off into all kinds of heresies. He's fully God, but he's also fully human. And prior to Jesus being born, God couldn't really come up to us and say, hey, I understand exactly what you're going through. He couldn't do that. But that's no longer the case. God knows exactly what it's like to be human. He knows what it's like to be bullied. He knows what it's like to be rejected by your closest friends. He knows what it's like to sweat and toil and do hard work to survive. He knows what it's like to have those that you love the most make it really, really hard to do God's will. He knows what it's like to be hated. He knows what it's like to catch the brunt of someone's racist venom. He knows what it's like to have a parent forsake you. He knows what it's like to have your body and your soul so stressed and overwhelmed by a job that you've been given to do that it's, just, it's causing you great anxiety. He knows what it's like to be totally misunderstood. He knows what it's like to have someone you, lo- you really love pass away. He knows what it's like to be tempted. In fact, the Bible says that he was tempted in every way that we are. The only difference is that he was without sin. But he knows. He knows. He knows your struggle. He knows your pain because he took on the form of humanity, becoming one of us. And when you really understand that, it makes no sense whatsoever that we would kind of like put Jesus in just a a really small, small part of our lives. Whether that's an hour on a Sunday morning or whatever that looks like for you. It makes no sense when you understand that that Jesus, he, he he knows us. You know, why would you not go to him? Why would you not follow him, cast all your cares on him, acknowledge him every single day, even throughout the day? Because he knows. You have a friend who understands you better than you understand yourself. Only this friend, it's it's mind-blowing. This friend is the Lord God Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, the one that knits you together in your mother's womb. He, He knows you. And you do yourself, you do yourself a huge disservice when you keep your friendship with Jesus to just a small, 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 small segment of your life. You don't have to live that way. You don't. You can go to him daily. I mean, you can find refuge in him. You could be at work and, and your, your boss is stressing you out. You can go to him in that moment and just say, Jesus, help me, help, help me to deal with this situation. You might be caught in just the chaos of life. With your, maybe your, your home is just, it's just, it's just a, a mess and you're, you're going, I don't know what to do. You don't have to go through that on your own. You have a friend who understands. You might be, be this Christmas just dealing with the loss of a loved one and you're just, you're aching inside. You have a friend in Jesus who understands. Go to him. Let him be your friend because he knows. He knows what it's like. And the last reason that God becoming human is full of so much wonder is because it means that the light of hope is very much alive today. 
the light of hope is very much alive today. Despite what Fox News or CNN or whoever you watch or read says, the light of hope is very much alive today. Scripture says this, we just read it, in him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has overcome it. No. It says the darkness has not overcome it. The darkness has not overcome it. Our world is broken. Our world is covered in, in, in darkness. You know, the answer that we needed wasn't going to come from within. The answer that we needed wasn't going to come from achieving the American dream. The answer wasn't going to come from education, working really hard to become good people. That wasn't going to fix our brokenness. What we in the world we live in, what, that which are full of so much darkness and brokenness needed, was bigger than what we could do ourselves. We couldn't fix ourselves. Author Timothy Keller, I love what he says here about Christmas. He says, there's never been a gift offered that makes you swallow your pride to the depths that the gift of Jesus requires us to do. Christmas means that we are so lost, so unable to save ourselves, that nothing less than the death of the Son of God himself could save us. That means you are not somebody who can pull yourself together and live a moral and good life. We needed an answer from outside. We needed a light that was greater than our darkness to come and shine and pierce through this dark, chaotic, messy, broken world that we live in. To which God's word declared, the true light that gives light to everyone was and now has come into the world. Can someone say amen this morning? And, and light has come. The darkness has not and cannot overcome it. And because this same light is alive today, it means that there is hope. Let that sink in. Someone here, you came in with just hopelessness. You're like, I don't know what to do, but, but churches talk about Jesus and hope and light and all that kind of stuff. So I'm going to try to find my way to a, a church. You're here this morning because Jesus wanted you to know that there is hope. There is hope. The light of Jesus, because Jesus is alive today, shines so, so brightly. And, and I have a question for us this morning. Where, where might you be trying to fix your brokenness yourself? Where might you be trying to fix it yourself? Are you hoping that being good, if you could just somehow be good enough in life, that that somehow is going to let you, uh, you know, you're going to be good enough. You're going you're to get in because you're, you're going to be good enough. Are you just trying maybe too, just really hard to be a good Christian on your own without God? Maybe you're depending on your strength. You're, you're, you're just going through it in life and you're depending on yourself. You think you, you've got what it takes to fix yourself. Where are you trying to fix your brokenness yourself? The good news of Christmas is you can't fix yourself. Why is that good news, Rich? Because it actually takes a whole lot of pressure off and just causes you to go to the feet of Jesus and say, Lord, I need you. And when you go there, I mean, that's the way, the truth, and the life. But there is hope that is alive today 
that, that you, you need a light, you need a Savior, and that Savior has come. You just need to lay yourself aside and fall at the feet of Jesus with an open heart. It's good news this morning. God has come to earth, and it's news that carries this powerful hope. Regardless of where you're at, there's such hope in this for you this morning. It's, it's a hope that can lift you out of whatever dark situation that you might be in. And it's a hope that can, that can bring you into the glorious light of his presence and his peace and his rest when you open up your heart to Jesus. Would you pray with me this morning? Heavenly Father, thank you so much, Lord, that you have come to this earth. God, that you have stepped down out of heaven. You've given your life for us. Lord, I thank you that, that you, didn't, you didn't decide that you were going to stay hidden and, and stay, stay cloaked in mystery, but you... You, you wanted to be known. You wanted every man, woman, boy, girl, student in this room that's sitting here this morning. God, you wanted us to know you. And so you came as the living word to reveal yourself in the person of Jesus Christ. And Lord, I thank you, Jesus, that you are here today. God, you're drawing people to yourself. God, you're here today with your arms outstretched saying, I'm here to offer you life. I'm here to offer you hope. I'm here to offer you for forgiveness. Doesn't matter what you've done. I'm here to offer you forgiveness. I'm here to offer you healing. Father, I thank you that that's your posture this morning. God, I pray that, that we would have the faith, that we'd have the trust to respond by saying yes. God, I want to pray, Lord, that this morning, God, I know there's, there's, there's many people here this morning that God have a story in their head about who you are, about your character, that God is just off. God, I don't know what has happened in their life or maybe what they've read in the Bible that has caused that to happen. But Lord, I pray that this morning that God, they'd be able to look to your son, Jesus Christ, and that God, you would, you would cause that story, God, to come into a, the alignment with the truth of who you are. Father, I pray that you would reveal yourself to them in an incredible way. Father, I thank you so much that you, you come to offer us life. And I, I pray, Jesus, that, Lord, God, throughout this season, that, Jesus, we would find ourselves coming to you, going to you, staying close to you. God, in our everyday life, God, help us, help us not to keep you distant, but, God, help us to stay so close to you in everything that we're going through. Help us to just abide in you to be like those branches that are just connected to the vine. God, you, because you know, you know what we, we go through. God, you're, you're our, not just our friend. God, you're our Savior as well. So help us, God, just to live in you, I pray. And God, I ask all this in your great, awesome, beautiful, wonder-filled name, Jesus. Amen. Amen.